Welcome to the Lost Then Found podcast. This is a space where we discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective no matter our season or our circumstance. I am your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my personal journey of being lost then found. Welcome to the Lost and Found podcast. I'm so glad you are joining me. I am China, and we are going to have a really great time today. We're going to be continuing our series, This Is My Testimony. And this week, I was actually in the car with some friends. And as we were talking, naturally, our stories come up and our testimony. And just in that act of sharing our stories, it's amazing how uh, we can recall to mind uh, man, no, God actually did do that. <laughs> and it's, it's not only, I think, beneficial for the people listening, but sometimes it's good for our own hearts just to share our testimony fresh. And as we were talking about it, it actually reminded me of this idea in scripture called an altar of remembrance. And so that's where we're diving in today. We're going to be looking at the book of Joshua. God ends up appointing Joshua after Moses to lead the Israelites And they're just coming up to the Jordan River. And as they cross the Jordan River, they're going to head into the promised land. Big theme in scripture, right? That God promised this for his people, a land flowing with milk and honey. And that this has been for generations, something that they have looked forward to, that they have been moving towards literally (laughs) um, and figuratively. And so Joshua has just been appointed, middle-aged guy who had followed Moses and now has been given the reins. So kind of a tough act to follow there, but he's taking over. And what ends up happening in the book of Joshua is they end up getting across the Jordan, which we'll talk about. They make altars of remembrance. They enter into the battle of Jericho, which if you're a Sunday school kid, you, I'm sure that's got to ring a bell. And then the rest of the book covers them conquering and dividing the rest of the promised land among themselves, among the tribes. And so some of the key takeaways for today is first off that God promised to Joshua that he would be with him like he was with Moses in Joshua 1 and that he would fulfill those promises that he had given Moses. Uh, There was also just something kind of uh, important to note is that normally the Jordan, I think, is 3 to 10 feet deep. But during flood stage, which is actually when they were crossing it, it can be super deep, really impassable, uh, as, as it ever could be, right? Which is just like all the more to God's uh, goodness here, uh, which we'll get to. But God's presence uh, also was with them. So the Israelites would carry God's presence. It was the physical representation of the Lord's presence. If people would go near it or touch it, they would die. <laughs> we were sinful and there was this separation, right? Pre-Jesus. And so they had the ark. And the, the Levitical priests would carry it wherever they went. And so that is what actually what led the way for them to cross this impassable river, right? And then once they crossed the river, the people, uh, some from each tribe, with from God's direction through Joshua, they ended up building altars to remember what God had done and to pass it on to the generations to come. Uh, and 
as a final note, Jericho was the first of many cities and many kings that they ended up conquering to really take hold of that promise that God had for them. So what are altars of remembrance? So we're going to start in Joshua chapter four, verse four. So it says, so Joshua summoned to the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask, what do these stones mean to you? You are to tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will be a memorial to the Israelites forever. Thus, the Israelites did as Joshua had commanded them. They took up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, one from each tribe, one for each tribe of Israel, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them to the camp where they set them down. And Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the priests were carrying the ark and where they stood so that way the water wouldn't pass. And those stones are still there to this day. How awesome. And we're going to pause here for a sec. So what happens, like I said, I'm going to paraphrase this. If you have not read this, even if you have, you need to go read this story. It's phenomenal. Um, But they get up to the Jordan, they camp, and the ark goes before them. And as their feet hit the edge of the water, the Lord stops the water from even flowing down river to the point where everything past it goes dry and where they stand in the center of the Jordan River is completely dry. So it's like he pushed the waters back and heaped them up, I think is actually the word that it uses in the NIV. And then the Israelites are able to pass through grab the stones, set up the altar in the middle of the river, like a lot happened. (laughs) Um, But that the Lord's presence is actually what led uh, the way through that river. So then it goes on uh, in verse 19. So it says on the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and capped in Gilgal on the Eastern border of Jericho. And there at Gilgal, Joshua set up the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, once again, in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You are to tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over just as he did at the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. He did that so all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And so you may always fear the Lord, your God. So believers who are listening to this, we have a call because you and I are the people of God. We still have this call. We have a call to build altars of remembrance. You know, it talks in that verse, verse 19 to 24 section about how we remind our children of this and we do it so that way we remember who the Lord, who the Lord is, that he's mighty and that we'll fear him. They, the Israelites, they built the altars in the river where the ark was. And they also took the stones and built the Mount Gilgad, right? That was before they actually went and conquered Jericho. 
and this was so interesting, something I actually uncovered here, is that this is the same area where Abraham, so we're talking generations, generations, generations prior. Abraham is the the original, the OG, (laughs) who received the promise. It says in Genesis 12, 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram. So before he was even given the name Abraham, and I, he said, I will give you this land for your offspring. So what did Abram do? He built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Friends, he, he built an altar when the Lord gave him that promise. <laughs> and so that's what altars are. They are this monument, this memorial, as scripture calls it. For us, for generations to come to remember, no, this is what the Lord said. This is who he is. This is what he's promised. And this is what he said. Because this is what God does, right? I know this. I hope you know this. That he brings things back to the original intention. God gave that promise to Abraham because he intended for his people to have that land. A land flowing with milk and honey, right? A land of good things, of peace, of rest, where they weren't in slavery anymore, (laughs) And before our sin and before our slavery, he designed us to be with him and for him to be with us. And in that inheritance are the good promises. So friend, we need to build altars to remember. So what are we going to remember? We're going to remember first off what God has done in our lives. Psalm 77, man, this verse marked me a number of years ago. And it's still like, I read it to this day and I still get teary-eyed. The verse in the early part of the psalm is talking about, Lord, where are you? I'm crying out. Where are you? Where are you? And then it goes on in verse 11 and it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will reflect on all you have done and I will ponder your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great is our God. You are the God who works wonders. Your display, you display your strength among the peoples with power. You redeem your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. And on into verse 19, it says, Your path led us through the sea, <laughs> your way through the mighty waters, but your footprints were not to be found. You led your people like a flock by the hands of Moses and Aaron. And I'm adding to this, Joshua could be lumped in there too, right? Because not only did he lead them through the sea when he was leading them out of slavery in Egypt, he led them through uh, the Red Sea, but he he just led them through (laughs) the Jordan River. Won't he do it again? That's for someone right now. He will do it again. He can do it again. So hold on, friends. So we remember what God has done in your life, what he's done in my life, and we remember what God has promised. There were Israelites who the reality is, is that once they were led through the Red Sea, that there were Israelites who were not going to see the promised land because they forgot and they went astray and they were handed over to their sin and they fully forfeited with their actions and their choices the good promise that the Lord had for them. So how do we know what God has promised? We read the word and we remember what he's spoken, right? The word is the place, like it's it's the living bread, friend. You need to be fed on this. <laughs> this this conviction's been just going a little deeper in my heart recently of you no know, apart from the living, active word of God, 
I bear nothing good. <laughs> apart from him, apart from his presence, apart from his leading, I bear nothing good. And I am so forgetful. So we use the word to remember. And if the Lord speaks to you, you need to find a way to catalog that, journal it. I actually started, uh, I have a jar, I'm looking at it right now on my piano, that um, I had this jar, ended up uh, purposing it for the act of remembering. So every time God does something cool, profound, like I see him moving, I see him breathing, I've been adding little slips of paper to it. And the point being, I can go back and call back on that. So you need some way to do that, to, to document what the Lord has spoken to you, not only through the word, but some sort of journaling or some sort of process where you can call that back to mind. So, which leads me to Lamentations 3, 21 through 22. It says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You know, and just some, some promises that I pulled out here this morning. Second Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, the, the word of God has promises in it for you. We have to deposit them in our hearts. So we remember what God has done in our life. We remember what he's promised. And we do this to remember also what he has for the generations that are to come. Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands to a thousand generations. Genesis 17, 7, it says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. He is a, a good God. He is a covenant-making God. He makes promises and he's good to his word. We need to remember him. And friends, this week I got so struck with the fact that forgetfulness is the, it's the uh, poison <laughs> for us in a lot of ways. Forgetfulness can lead to us being ungrateful. It can lead to us being discontent. It can lead to us walking out in the wilderness and walking in circles unnecessarily. I have experienced this more than I care to count. And even this week, the Holy Spirit was so quick to come and gently remind me like, China, you need to remember. <laughs> China, you need to remember. And man, when I in the past haven't kept the remembering who God is out in front of me, man, I can end up in a really like dark corner. And so we have to remember what God has done, what he's promised to see, to actually like look around and remember the blessings and the abundance that he has put in our life. We may not have everything, but man, has he provided. Man, has he been good. Man, has he kept through to give me everything I need. Everything I need. So we need to not lose sight of who God is. John Piper uh, is a pastor uh, who, I just love his stuff. But uh, I was reading an article this morning and it said, If we don't call to mind what God has said about himself and about us, we languish. Oh, how I know this from painful experience. 
I'm, I'm in line <laughs> here. He says, don't wallow in the mire of godless messages. I mean, the messages in your own head, the I can'ts, the she won'ts, they nevers, that it will never work. The point is not if these are true or false. Now hear this. This is the like, it's so good. The point is not if these are true or false. Your mind will always find a way to make them true unless you call to mind something greater. God is the God of the impossible. Reasoning your way out of an impossible situation is not as effective as reminding your way out of it. That is so good. (laughs) So friends, as a final thought, we remember so we don't lose heart along the way. Uh, In an earlier chapter, so Joshua 1, when God is first depositing this like, hey, Joshua, here's what I'm I'm about to do. Here's, Here's your marching orders. God gives some really beautiful promises to Joshua. Joshua 1, 5, it says, No one shall stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall give these people the inheritance of the land that I swore to their fathers that I would give them. Above all, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to observe all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left so that you can prosper wherever you go. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Friends, God repeated himself three times in there. Be strong and courageous. We remind ourselves so it keeps us strong, so we can put our courage on. And that is the armor that we put on for the journey ahead. I always had this thought. I don't know if any of you have had this. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. But I had always had this thought in my head like, man, they went into the promised land. They took over Jericho and it was done and like one and done. But that's actually not what happened. (laughs) That's not the case. They had been not only moving towards the promised land for generations upon generations. We're talking decades upon decades to see this come to pass. And like I had said, like the Bible says, a lot of that was due to their own sinfulness that caused them to wander for those 40 years in the desert. But regardless, they had been moving towards that, that goal of the promised land. But even when they crossed the Jordan, God gave them the victory at Jericho, but that wasn't it. There were many other cities and kings that got conquered over that span, over the book of Joshua. Friends, that was 25 years, roughly. Like, Joshua went from being a middle-aged man, you know, by our standards, to passing away. Like, it may not be one and done. It most likely is going to be a lot and done. <laughs> so friends, this is, this is a, this isn't a sprint. This is a, this is a marathon, right? So we have to armor ourselves. We have to equip ourselves so we can endure. So we can get to the finish line of this and say, no, I saw everything that God promised came to pass. 
everything that he told me. I've seen it come to pass because I was able to be strong and courageous to not be discouraged, to not be afraid, right? So we remind ourselves to keep us strong, to keep our courage on, and to keep us armored up for the journey ahead. So in chapter four, it says in verse 24, he did all this so that all the peoples of the earth, not just the Israelites, so that everyone would know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and so that you may always feel the Lord your God. Remembering also keeps the fear of the Lord in us. We remember his might and that's how we don't lose heart, friends. We remember constantly, we're reminding ourselves of who he is and we keep that on in front of us. This is how we stay courageous and strong. Friend, I just want to encourage you today. God is good. He's true to his word. And if he spoke it, he can deliver you into that promise. And at the end of Joshua, it all had come to pass. So in in chapter 21, verse 44, it says, And the Lord gave them rest on every side. Just as he had sworn to their fathers, none of their enemies could stand against them. For the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. Not one, not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel had failed. Everything was fulfilled. Friend, I hope this is speaking to you today. (laughs) And we're going to wrap up with a, a chunk out of Deuteronomy. So let this just marinate your heart. (laughs) Let it just permeate and seep in because it's a good word. So Deuteronomy 6, 1, these are the commandments and statutes and ordinances that the Lord, your God has instructed me to teach you to follow in the land that you are about to enter and possess so that you and your children and your grandchildren may fear the Lord, your God, all the days of your life. By keeping all of his statutes and commandments that I give you, and so that your days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe them, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your father, had promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words I am commanding you today are to be upon your hearts. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as reminders on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, that he would give you a land with great splendid cities that you didn't build, with houses full of every good thing which you did not fill them with, with wells that you did not dig, and with vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful to not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Friends, he will be faithful to carry you through. (laughs) Just remember who he is. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about ways that you can 
implement this in your own home. That chunk out of Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 12 is a great place to start. Give some really clear concepts there to grab a hold of. Friends, we need to remember who he is, who he's been for you, and who he's been for the generations prior to you, and who he's going to be for the generations to come. So Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that your word is timely. It's always so good. It's always so good. God, I pray that we would go from being forgetful people, me at the front of the line, Lord. And Lord, I pray that this would take root. God, that there would be this deepening, even in this moment right now, of like digging our heels and saying, no, I will remember the goodness of God. I will remember the goodness of the Lord and his faithfulness and his promises. God, I will remember. God, help me to remember. Help me to not forget. Lord, when I start to go astray, Lord, I know you're the good shepherd who will bring me back. But Lord, help me to stay near you. Help me to keep my eyes on you. And God, I pray that for all the promises that are out there, for all the unspoken, for all the things that people are feeling are these fragile whispers of promises that they feel like could blow away with just a a breath of air. God, I pray that you would just reinstate that to them, God. Respeak that to them. Reassure them that, no, I am the God who will see it come to pass. I am mighty. I am strong. I have all authority, and I can bring you into the promise that I've given you. Lord, we trust you. We love you. I pray for blessings on the ears that are hearing this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you joined me today. Next week, we'll be doing a part two to this. I am super jazzed about. Make sure to come back next week, and we'll dig in to more of this series called This Is My Testament. Love you. Bring you.